The Retirement and IRA Show represents the words and views of the show hosts exclusively and should not be construed as investment, legal, or tax advice. All information is believed to be from reliable sources. However, we make no representation as to its completeness or accuracy. All economic and performance information is historical in nature and is not indicative of any future results. Any indices mentioned on the show are unmanaged and cannot be invested indirectly. Diversification and asset allocation strategies do not assure profit or protect against loss. Never make any investment or financial decisions based on information offered on this show without first consulting your financial, legal, or tax advisor. Financial planning services offered through Jim Solnier and Associates, LLC, a registered investment advisor. This is the Retirement and IRA Show coming to you from beautiful northern Colorado. Join us as certified financial planner Jim Saunier, as well as Colorado State University finance instructor and certified financial planner Chris Stein, teach you about IRAs, 401ks, annuities, social security, pension plans, and estate planning in a fun and enjoyable show. Whether you are listening live in Colorado or streaming from their website or iTunes podcast, Jim and Chris want you to know that they're available to help you plan for your retirement. Just visit their website at jimhelps.com. That's jim, H-E-L-P-S dot com. And click the Meet the Team button on the homepage. Now here's Jim and Chris with today's show. Well, welcome to the Retirement and IRA Show EDU edition for this week. We've got... uh, Actually, Jim brought us an article, I believe an online article, that we're going to discuss because uh, apparently it had some issues <laughs> in the article itself. Um, article was from uh, Smart Asset, which is a... Uh, uh, Jim will probably give you a bigger, uh, better description, but it's a uh, on- online resource. I don't think there's a, a traditional print version of anything, but an online resource with information on uh, various areas of finances and financial planning, lots and lots of articles put out uh, under that smart asset uh, label or umbrella, if you will. But uh, this particular article was discussing uh, life insurance versus Roth IRAs as far as a retirement planning vehicle and walked through some. As, As with most things, there's pros and cons when you're making a choice between things like that. And uh, uh, Jim thought it was important to uh, talk about a few of the things that were brought up in the article. So I'll have him come on in and and, uh, bring forth the article. He uh, mentioned it to me. I don't have the article in front of me, although I might pull it up while we're talking about it today. But uh, Jim, once he unmutes his mic, he'll join us and uh, uh, we'll, we'll go through it. I have no idea how long it is or what format it's going to take, but... You have no idea what's going on. <laughs> I know the life insurance versus Roth IRA piece. Right, Beyond that, right. and that the article has issues we need to discuss. <laughs> it is. It's a very short article. And as I read it while you were doing your, your verbiose introduction, uh, I reread it. And maybe I was a little harsh at first. I think the article suffers from not explaining things. They make some very general statements that if this, that, and the other thing were to happen, it could be true, and they don't get into it. You'll see what I mean when I start reading this article. They make some very uh, generalized statements. I think overall, they, I don't know what the point was of the article. You know, when you enter into reading an article, you're trying to figure out, 
He's comparing a Roth IRA, which is a tax qualified account for investments and saving for retirement, hence the name IRA, individual retirement account, to a life insurance policy, which it's like an apple to an orange. Now, I think I know why they did it, because the life insurance industry, especially agents and brokers, they like to push the life insurance retirement plan, LIRP, and it's just a way to get them to sell you a index universal life insurance policy that, according to them, is going to be the next best thing to slice bread, and it's going to work wonderful, and it's a Roth IRA on steroids, and it's going to allow you to get all this tax-free money out, and all these wonderful, beautiful things that index universal life insurance is going to do for you, which, in my opinion, is just a bunch of hokey BS designed to sell you a very high-commissioned insurance product, but that's my very impartial opinion with impartial in quotation marks. I don't want to get too deep <clears throat> into those policies. I, I do know um, I putz around every now and then on LinkedIn. I just kind of read some posts. I get these things from LinkedIn because apparently I have it on my iPad. So it tells me when someone posts something. And a, a good colleague and I would say friend of mine, not Overly close friend because we live far apart, but someone who I respect and he respects us, Andy Panko, you know Andy, mm -hmm. um, really is, is going to town on uh, Index Universal Life Insurance policies. So I like to read some of his posts uh, that mm -hmm. he does. And he tries to be impartial, but his, you, you can see where he falls uh, on which side of the argument but I find it ironic that many of the people on LinkedIn who are pushing uh, Index Universal Life Insurance policies uh, have blocked him. And I think to myself, if you can't have a discussion, I mean, Andy is a smart guy. So if you're going to argue with him, you, you better be on the level of Michael Kitsis or so, because he uses really big words that I can't pronounce. And he gets really, really deep in, into things. But they just block them. If, if, to me, if you're pushing something but you can't answer someone who is asking questions and you're, you, you just block them and run away, it makes me question what it is you are supporting. So I didn't mean to go down that little rabbit hole, folks. But the point is, I think what the smart asset author was trying to do was say, hey, I'm going to talk about Roths and life insurance and compare the two because there's this big argument going on in some circles in the financial planning industry of those who push these life insurance for retirement plans, you know, the power of zero, zero is your hero, all this bogus stuff that they used to sell you things. And others who fear, no, this is nothing more than pie in the sky selling something on a hypothetical illustration that has no chance of ever occurring as illustrated to less than fully educated people who don't fully understand the nuances, the issues, if the life insurance policy lapses, the taxes that can be owed, the fact that you have to pay interest on the money that you're borrowing, all this stuff. They're just saying, hey, this is very complex and you're using people's hatred of taxes to try to trick them into buying something. So there, I think I think that's what Smart Asset was trying to do, Chris. It's just that 
I think his editor said, you got to do this at 500 words or less. Hmm. And he doesn't get deep enough in, and it left me scratching my head. And even the comments, there were only 30 comments, at least at the time when I uh, printed this article. But some of the people who were commenting were saying the same thing. It's just, well, that doesn't sound right. No, you got to do this. You got to do that. So I thought, well, let's go through this like we always do articles. Some of what he wrote is true, and I'm going to talk about it. Others aren't quite the way it's described. And I just want to clear the air a little. But I'm hoping people will get a little better understanding of one simple thing, Chris. We say this all the time. Is insurance an investment? It is not. It is a product sold by the insurance company that oftentimes they design the product to have some characteristics of an investment, but it is not the same. Life insurance is exactly that, what Chris said. It is a product. It is an insurance product, folks. You buy it if there is a risk. Chris, do you have boat insurance? If not, why? Um, I currently do not, as I do not own a boat right now. You see how that simple discussion (laughs) went, folks? Chris did not buy boat insurance because Chris doesn't need it. You buy life, you buy any insurance if you need protection from the risk that that insurance is providing. I do not own bone insurance and I do not own life insurance. I never had a risk of the life insurance because if I ever died, I talked about this in the past, if I ever died, no one would suffer an economic or financial hardship. Now, an agent might argue, Jim, but in the future, you, you uh, might need it and you can't get it. And that would have happened because with mm-hmm. me, I had my stroke and I can no longer get life insurance. True. I, was- I think that we don't talk about that a ton, but that is a valid point. I think it's oversold and that we're kind of taking this discussion in a, a different direction than the, than the article. But I think it's important to to admit that that is the case sometimes. Sometimes you don't currently have an an identifiable need for life insurance, but it can sometimes in preparation for a day when you might need it could make sense to get it while you're healthy enough to, uh, uh, you know, be underwritten and get the policy uh, because of something, you know, I guess hypothetically in your case, Jim, you didn't have it, didn't have it. Maybe someday in the future, someone does rely on you financially, but now that boat has sailed for you, not to, you know, not to confuse the boat issue, but um, you you can't qualify for life insurance now, right? right. So, no, so, and I freely admit yeah. that that's mm-hmm. a risk we all take yep. when it comes to an insurance that you have to qualify for. You generally don't have to qualify for auto insurance, homeowners insurance, property and casualty insurance, although they are underwritten in the sense you may not get homeowners if you file multiple claims. If you're a very bad driver, you probably won't get auto insurance. So they are underwritten in that sense. But if you live a having a stroke isn't going to keep you from getting homeowners or auto insurance. Filing multiple homeowners claims or driving like an idiot can keep you from getting the respective insurances. Me, I suffered a stroke. I couldn't get life insurance. I'm only acknowledging that because Chris is right. I'm going down a rabbit hole I didn't really want to. I'm just trying to guess why was this article written. The only thing I can figure out 
is they wanted, the author was trying to address what is an argument for some in our industry, which is, should you put money in a Roth IRA or should you fund a life insurance retirement plan? Now, most good people who are pushing life insurance retirement plans will say, fully fund your Roth first, any extra dollars put in this. So I, I don't want to make it sound like it's an all or nothing to those people. Yeah, and I think the other thing you might not be picking up on, there's an, been an absolute explosion over the last year of people pushing uh, index universal life policies on TikTok and similar platforms in these Again, the same thing is lacking the kind of details people would need to really understand what's going on. A hard, hard, exciting, charismatic sales pitch to buy these things, which is going to pay that person a huge commission. And it's going out to millions of people, and they only need to hook a few of them to make really, really good money. And that's what they're doing. That's what they're doing. And it's it's kind of taken the, the old... Um, you know, free dinner seminar or the free, the, you know, the free dinner, uh, I guess it was seminar, they it right. a seminar, yeah, yeah. A seminar. Where, where they'd pitch these things and put it on steroids. Cause instead of having 30 people in front of you, you've got millions of people you have access to. So that's, it's just exploding out there. And I think because of that activities, you know, these, these authors are, uh, wanting to discuss it a little bit to hopefully have the right intentions, educate people so that they at least know what the comparisons should be. Yeah, this article should have been much deeper, or it could have been a 10-part article over a series of weeks or something. But um, it's funny you mentioned that, though, Chris, because that was one of the things Andy mentions, I guess, is I'm not on any social media. I guess you could say if LinkedIn is social media, I have a profile that hasn't been updated, I think, in over a decade. And the only time I log on is if someone sends me a a message, I get a little note, or... um, if I'm bored one day at home at night, I like to read, as you know. Uh, so I just check out, you know, the, the posts and read the comments. I never post myself. But now, now that clears the air for me because I was wondering what they meant when they were mentioning TikTok and another thing called Instagram. Mm-hmm. And um, influencers, the only reason I know the word influencer is that whole Bud Light thing with some guy who called himself an influencer, pissed off Bud Light or something. I don't know. But... Um, they, they talk about these things being pushed. I'm glad you mentioned that because if there's any younger folk listening here who are on these platforms thinking, oh, my God, this is the next best thing to slice bread. People who push index universal life are not securities licensed for the most part. They're only going to have an insurance license, and they are not regulated by the SEC. They are not regulated by FINRA. They are not regulated by a broker-dealer. And it's the Wild West. Each state is supposed to regulate an insurance agent. And I am here to tell you, and we've talked about this in the past, the states stink yep. at regulating their insurance agents. It's, mm-hmm. it's, I, it's abhorrent. It, it's, 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 a, it's a crime. The way they did not a literal crime, you can't lock them up. But... The states are horrendous at regulating insurance agents and what they're doing, what they're saying, what they're marketing, because an investment advisor or a registered rep, which is a broker, is a registered rep, or an investment advisor or investment advisor representative, 
would be the fiduciary advisor you keep hearing about on the registered investment advisor platform, irrespective of which one you are, a broker or an advisor, you have strict rules that you must follow when talking to the public to buy something from you, whether that's an investment product or an investment service such as asset management. Insurance agents have no such rules. It is the Wild West. They can, I guess, get on these places and say anything they want. I don't, I'm, you're, you're techie. Do you go on and watch these? I don't watch any of them. No, I don't go seeking no. that okay. stuff out. I don't have um, TikTok. I do have Instagram, but I don't have – I block those when they come up so it doesn't try to suggest those to me because I find them so annoying. But there's a lot of people out there that, that aren't really aware that – um, the regulation is so poor in this area and the states were bad at it before. And this has gotten just exponentially worse now because of the reach that these folks have via these online platforms. The states are way behind catching up on this. So I think it's going to be, I think we're going to hear lots and lots of horror stories down the road. There's gonna be lots and lots of these folks that have made a ton of money. And then in a few years, they're going to be off selling something else because as things start to get messy in this area, uh, you start to hear the horror stories about it not working out the way people thought, uh, they'll be off selling, you know, beachfront property in, in, uh, Kansas or something. So they'll be retired. Oh, true. True. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of of dollars at stake here. Right. And the thing with insurance folks, everything was disclosed to you. You just never read it. Yep. Because if you ever read the policies, they're fully telling you, this is all pie in the sky. We have no idea if this is ever going to happen or not, and it may not, but sign here. It's all it is. That's why I hate these things. But anyways, back to this article. It's very short. We're just going to read through it, and I'm just going to add a little bit of clarity. Uh, again, I think it was they were probably told to leave it short. And who is Smart Asset, in case people are wondering? Smart Asset is actually a marketing firm for financial advisors, brokers or advisors. Uh, I do not use them in full disclosure. I never marketed my firm this way. But Smart Asset has peppered the internet with articles left and right everywhere. I got this one off of Yahoo, but you can't go anywhere without seeing a Smart Asset authored article. Uh, I just listened to an interview with the founder of Smart Asset. And again, I'm not throwing the guy under the bus. I trade places with him. Uh, the guy is, is, is extremely successful and wealthy beyond belief, I'm sure. Uh, but he was an advisor who, who took advantage of the Internet and started creating a company that he thought if he could get people to visit websites and then say, click here to find a financial advisor near you, he could then send those clicks, those, those referrals, if you will, to financial advisors who will pay him. And that's essentially what Smart Asset does. If you're a financial advisor, you pay them uh, quite a lot of money, I might add, and you get a cold lead. You get, hey, this person read this article. They clicked that they want to talk to a financial advisor. Uh, you're usually up against two, three, four advisors, or you might have, depending on how smart asset is structured, I'm not sure. I've, I've been peppered with other companies, competitors of theirs. You either pay for an exclusive zip code and anyone in that zip code area uh, is sent to you, or you're just going to be in a general area and you're going to be up against usually two or three other advisors who are also going to get the same lead. And it's pu- purely a cold lead. 
and then you pepper that person. And if you're really good at it, you might be able to hook them and, and bring them in. But I recently listened to uh, a interview with him and his firm is up to a billion dollars of revenue. So he knows what the hell he's doing. Mm-hmm. And he's mm-hmm. making some serious bank off of this. And he also now authors and writes articles and informational pieces uh, at the institutional level for a lot of large institutions who then use it for, in their marketing. And, and God bless them. But that's who Smart Asset is, is they are a marketing firm uh, for financial advisors to pay for cold leads. Uh, I, I have heard from some people who use them in the industry and love it and have built very successful practices off it and good for them. And I'm glad they can help people. I've talked to other advisors who said they thought it was worthless. Irrespective, that's who Smart Asset is. Okay. So it begins, and the article is titled uh, Life Insurance versus Roth IRA, which is a better retirement investment for me? The headline alone, folks, caught my attention. Do you know why, Chris? Well, the word investment. Life insurance right is, yes, life insurance is not an investment. This is what ticks me off because I guess these, these TikTok people, no pun intended, who are pushing this, our marketing index universal life as an investment. It is no such thing. It's life insurance. And if you don't need life insurance, you shouldn't be buying this thing and trying to create a retirement plan on pie in the sky, hypothetical projections that are never going to happen anyways. So it begins when choosing where to set money aside for retirement, you need to weigh your options carefully. You're likely going from one main income source to multiple smaller income sources when you retire. I will pause there and say I have no problem with that sentence at all Mm -hmm. because we see that all the time, Chris. You're going to go from your salary to pension, Social Security, maybe annuity, interest, dividends, required minimum distributions, although some will argue that's not technically income. All these different little smaller sources of income. So perfect, fine. Mm -hmm. Sometimes those goals can be in conflict with one another, meaning – You have to figure out how to achieve both of them. One way this can be achieved is using a combination of life insurance and a Roth IRA. Let's look at how those two products work and how you can use them. Hmm. Yeah, this article is a little sloppy. Just the the, the wording. I mean, words, I don't want to nitpick every little thing, but talking about a Roth IRA as a product... That, that's very strange. It's a it's basically a bucket into which you put investments of your choosing, and then because it's in this bucket, it gets a specific type of tax treatment. But it's not a thing you buy. You don't buy a thing off the shelf called a Roth IRA. It's just a bucket, a holding vessel. But sadly, Chris and listeners, anyone listening to this podcast probably knows exactly what Chris just said and was thinking the same thing. But you all are an anomaly. You're not the norm. We kind of operate in a bubble on this podcast because we're talking to Vanguard VGs, as we call you all. I know you're not all that Vanguard. It's just the nickname I gave you. But all you Vanguardian VGs, and that's short for Vanguard engineer types. You get your spreadsheets. You really love investing. You love retirement planning. You just geek out on this stuff. You're not the norm. You're the anomaly. I remember when I was much, much more active in uh, soliciting clients for the firm and working with clients. I now run the business 
uh, although I do stay involved to, to some degree uh, at the client level, but it's getting less and less and less every year. And I suspect in a couple of years, it'll be non-existent. But when I was doing this ad hoc, Chris, big time, you don't know how many people would say to me, you know, they find out you're a financial advisor and either they run because they were worried you're going to try to sell them something or they would ask you, oh, hey, uh, if, if I open up a Roth IRA with you, what am I going to get on it? What's your Roth IRA paying? And they talk about it as if it is mm-hmm. itself the investment. Oh, if you buy the Roth from me, I'm going to be able to get you this, that, and the other thing. They don't have this conceptual idea that it's just a vessel. It's just a bucket. It's just a account that the government created that said, if you open this style account at your custodian, we will allow you to buy things inside it that will get preferential tax treatment. They do literally think, many people sadly do literally think the Roth itself is the investment. But that might be why this was written that way. I don't know. Now, very typical with a smart asset article because they're trying to get you to fill in an online form so they can sell your contact information. It says, for more help with both insurance and retirement planning, consider working with a financial advisor. And that is a live link. And if you click those words, it takes you to fill in a form. Now you know why, in case you ever read a smart asset article. Why do they keep doing that? That's their business model. So then it continues. Life insurance versus a Roth IRA. Life insurance or Roth IRAs are two different products. Again, a Roth IRA is not a product. It's just an account type. What you put in it, what you buy in it is the product. But I digress. One is a policy you pay for in exchange for a payout when you die. The other is an investment account. At least they got that part right which you can stow money away in, and it will grow with the market tax-free. Each has pros and cons with its own unique reasons for investing. That's where I have an issue with, again, life insurance. He, he, he kind of got it right when he said the first is a policy, should say life insurance policy, that you pay for in exchange for a payment when you die. But then he says at the end, with its own unique reasons for investing, you don't buy a life insurance policy as an investment unless you got snookered into the life insurance retirement plan, IUL, TikTok people now, apparently. Life insurance works like any other insurance product. You pay a premium up front in exchange for a payment when needed. In this case, a payment to your family after you die. The cost of that premium will be depending on many factors, such as your health, the type of coverage you sign, and the type of coverage you sign up for. So far, so good. Very basic, folks. Mm -hmm. This is not a deep analysis at all. But for, again, not for the basic, excuse me, the, the typical listener to this podcast, but to someone with far less knowledge, so far they might be intrigued. Okay, I'm learning something. Okay, so I have no problem with some of that. The money your family gets will be tax-free and can be used for funeral costs, estate taxes, or other financial burdens. I wish they would have put on their income tax-free. As you can see later on, he, he kind of conflates estate taxes and income taxes several times in this article. Mm-hmm. Life insurance proceeds, folks, will be income tax-free. 
they will be capital gains tax-free. They might or might not be estate tax-free. For most people listening to this podcast, if not everybody, your life insurance will not be subject to federal estate taxes, at least under current law as it is in 2023. If you listen to this podcast in a year or two or three, it might be totally different. I think most people listening to this podcast probably have less than 25, 26 so million dollars as a married couple, but you might not. So for most people, your life insurance won't be subject to estate taxes. But for those people living in, I forget how many states there were, is it 11 or 16 or somewhere around there? States that have state estate taxes, your life insurance may be subject to estate taxes. And I'll clarify that as I continue reading his article. I just wish in that paragraph he would have specified what taxes he's talking about. He continues, there are downsides to life insurance. First, premiums are expensive. That's relative, folks. I have seen some life insurance policies that the premiums were very reasonable, even for people in their 50s and 60s, relative to their health. It's been very, very reasonable. Other times, premiums are expensive, yes, if your health is not there. But he kind of just simplifies it by saying adults over 55 can expect to pay more than $1,000 a month for a whole life insurance policy of half a million. I did not proof that statement, folks, but it seems mighty high that someone's going to pay 12 grand a year for half a million of coverage. But he also chose one of the most expensive Mm -hmm. forms of permanent insurance, Chris, whole life. Whole life is... It's a permanent policy. It's designed to last your entire life, hence the name whole life. But it is a very, very expensive form of permanent insurance. And I did not proof his numbers, so I'm not going to argue on them. But I like his point. Premiums can be expensive. Life insurance doesn't work for everyone. It stinks if you truly do need it. If you need liquidity at your death. Maybe you're a younger person with a a spouse and children dependent on you. You're the breadwinner and you're not in the best of health. But if you pass away, your children and spouse are going to be in financial hardship. You may have no choice but to pay the higher premium. And yeah, that pot does stink. No one will dispute that. But if you have a risk, it may be worth the cost. When anybody questions the price of something, Chris, they aren't necessarily questioning the dollars. They're questioning the value. Mm -hmm. If someone is younger, say in their 30s and 40s and not in good health, but they have two or three children they need to protect and a spouse, and they may not be in the best health, Maybe actuarially speaking or academically speaking is a better way of putting it. You might sit there and say, wow, that premium is expensive. You're crazy to pay it. But to that person, they see extreme value and peace of mind knowing their family would be protected. So it's hard to just with a broad brush say premiums are expensive. 
It all depends on the value received for the insurance coverage. Because if you're buying insurance, you're not buying an investment. You are buying insurance. And this is where he loses me with his next sentence. You ready for this? He then continues. If you were to pay that premium for 20 years, remember, he's saying $12,000 a year for 20 years. That's $240,000. You could have invested that money or spent it on other places that you needed. He totally missed the point of damn life insurance. He essentially, with that statement, said, so as long as you don't die during that period... You don't need life insurance. As long as you promise yourself and everyone you're not going to die during that period, don't get the life insurance. You could have taken that money elsewhere. That's You're right. This is, um, this is an interesting article. <laughs> it, it was asinine to put that in there. Yeah. I'm sorry, folks. Yeah. It is. It's why I began this. You buy life insurance if you need life insurance. I don't have boat insurance because I don't have a boat. I have homeowner's insurance because I have a home. I have car insurance because I have four cars. Mm-hmm. They're not all fancy-dancy, too, folks. They're cheap-ass cars except for the Lexus. Yep. But I have insurance on all of them because I have them. Right. And if he would have died a month after getting the policy, would have paid 1000 and his family would have gotten half a million bucks, they would have won the lottery with that. He didn't, I mean, and he doesn't, but he doesn't point that if out. If you're going to point out the other side, you know, the I'm never right. going to die, so I don't need life insurance, you should point out the, but if you do die early, life insurance is a hell of a deal. Here's some of the problems, folks. He uses whole life insurance, which is the furthest thing from an investment. Whole life insurance is not used at all in this life insurance for retirement plans or whatever it is. I don't want to say it's not used at all. Maybe it is. I'm not big into the whole life realm, but they generally push the index universal life policies because they're trying to lure you in with the zero is your hero type of BS. But whole life is not designed for that type. It's, it's, it's a totally different type of insurance. It's a very old, stodgy type of insurance. It doesn't have the flash and pizzazz of universal life index universal life, variable universal life, all the types of policies that came out in the 90s. He chose whole life, a very expensive policy. And then in the very next sentence says, well, it might not be a good thing because you would have spent 240000 in his math. And if you lived after 20 years, you could have invested that money. It's not the same. If you're buying a whole life policy, you best have a reason to buy it. And if you died in that 20-year period, you would have had a massive payout. Or your family and the risk you were worried about would have been covered. I cannot stand when in one sentence he's talking about insurance, doesn't lay any foundation of why someone would buy a whole life policy, doesn't explain maybe there's a special needs child, maybe there's a stay-at-home spouse, Maybe there's children who need college. Maybe they have debts because they own a business and he wants to make sure that the business debts are taken care of if he dies. Doesn't lay any foundation of why someone would buy a whole life policy. Just says, hey, if you're over 55, it's going to cost you $1,000 a month. And gee, that's not any good if you're alive 20 years later. You would have put 240000 into it and you could have taken that money and done something else with it. Well, I could have taken all the money that I've spent to insure this home for the past 12 years and done something else with it. 
in hindsight, I could sit there and say, well, I was stupid, Chris. I had homeowner's insurance. Yeah, well, as long as at the end of the article, there's instructions how to build your own time machine, then everything he's <laughs> saying is actually very valuable. You know, we can go back, figure out if we die. If we didn't die, then we go back and we don't do the life insurance. Okay, he continues. Another major downside, he's talking about life insurance, is that money is to be used after you die. Let me pause there. That's the point of life insurance. Just want to put it out there to this author. It pays when you die. The risk is death. If the risk happens, death, it pays out. But he considers that a negative because he says, now the major downside is that this money is for after you die, meaning it can't help you during retirement. Well, it's not supposed to. No, but as you know, you know certain policies have give you access to funds in certain ways. And since he chose a whole life in the quote here, it is certainly possible that the whole life policy would generate cash value in the policy, which could be accessed while you're still living. But the core heart of this policy is the death benefit. It's life insurance. And that's why you should be... See, I think the issue is my bias, which signs through folks, and I freely admit it. I do not, never have, never will buy into this, open up a life insurance policy and borrow from it in retirement because it's bogus BS. They don't get into enough on it. And he kind of referenced that. Let me continue. True, you can borrow against your life insurance policy, but that is generally not recommended. So I got to give him... Good. I like that. He doesn't explain why it's not recommended, but he said it's generally not recommended. You could take advantage of a life insurance retirement plan or LIRP, but any money you borrow from it, you will have to pay back with interest. I'll pause there. When people push this, they intend for you never to pay it back. They run projections that show the money you borrow and the interest you owe on it will be covered by the never-ending, convenient, average rate of return that they use. Oh, let's average a 5, a 6, a 7, or 8% average rate of return that they will build into the policy. And they show in the illustrations that not only will this life insurance policy grow this amazing cash value, Not only can you borrow from it, but the interest that accrues every year and compounds every year that you owe because you are not borrowing your money. That's the biggest fallacy with these policies. People think they're borrowing their own money. You are not borrowing your own money because if you're borrowing your own money, you wouldn't have to pay damn interest on it. Your money is used as collateral. Your cash value is collateral. You're borrowing the insurance company's money. And that way they get to charge you interest on it. Gee, they never really mentioned those parts. So you're using your cash value as collateral to borrow the life insurance company's money. The life insurance company holds your collateral. So it is never going to default. They're just going to take it. And you... The illustrations show, at least on paper, that the constant growth of the policy is not only going to grow the cash value, it will cover the interest payments you will owe. So when you die, it all magically zeroes out. 
he didn't, of course, get into a lot of that in his article, but at least he did mention has to be paid back with interest. But people pushing this will point out, as I did, folks, in the illustrations, at least, you never pay back the interest. The interest just accrues, compounds, and the policy is supposed to support it all. Well, you're, effectively, kind of your kids end up paying it because it's, it reduces the amount of potential death benefit that would have gone to them. If you are doing this life insurance as a retirement plan, you, you, you don't you, care about that part. <laughs> yeah, you're trying to grow the cash value and borrow. Now, granted, the death benefit, if it, any exists at all, um, would be gravy on top in them. Okay. Where is it? Okay. If you have a retirement account, you can use that account to fund your retirement. Let me repeat that. If you have a retirement account, you can use that account to fund your retirement. I just had to pause at that a few times when I read it. I thought, really? You have to tell people that if you open a retirement account, that's the money for your retirement? But apparently some people didn't realize that. That's not something you can do with a life insurance policy. Now, of course, the people pushing uh, life insurance as retirement plans will dispute that. Then it continues. If you're ready to be matched with local advisors who can help you achieve your financial goals, get started now. Of course, these are always in there, folks. This is smart asset. Roth IRAs are a great option for planning your retirement, he continues. They are funded with money you've already paid income tax on. So any money that is withdrawn is tax-free. I wish he would have put a little bit in. It should have, at very least should have said so. Any money withdrawn as a qualified withdrawal is tax-free. Mm-hmm. Because long-time listeners to this podcast know to get the growth out of your Roth IRA, it must be a qualified withdrawal. The Roth must be at least five years old, prong one, prong two, You have to either be over 59 and a half dead, which doesn't help you, but helps your beneficiaries, disabled, or buying a first-time home. But he doesn't specify all that, Chris. Then he continues. That means you can see your funds grow with the market without having to worry about paying taxes on them when you withdraw. Your beneficiaries also won't have to pay income tax on your Roth IRA if they inherit it. That is true, but do keep in mind if they take out, if you die before the Roth is five years old and they took the growth out before the Roth reaches five years old, they would have to pay taxes on that. Just a little nuance. No 10% penalty, but they would have to pay income taxes on that. I I highly doubt that would ever happen because you can leave your Roth open for 10 years. So nobody would, would do that. Okay. After the age of 59 and a half, there's no withdrawal penalty for your Roth IRA either. So you can take the money out and do with it as you wish. Again, he doesn't get into the nuances. He just makes it sound like after 59 and a half, you can take out all your money. No, you can't. Your Roth has to be five years old to get the growth. After 59 and a half, you do not have the 10% early withdrawal penalty. Neither does he mention what, Chris, about contributions. Well, also, before 59 and a half, you can access all the money you've put in yourself as contributions Absolutely. without uh, taxes or penalties. So it's, right. uh, yeah, it's, he's 
leaving I so much open. I think he had open. a word limit. Yeah, yeah he had with, a word limit. In him try, trying to simplify things, I think he's oversimplified it enough where it actually causes, in some cases, I think it's just wrong the way he's describing things. But uh, in his simplicity, he's just leaving a little too much to the imagination and could mislead people who don't know how you know the rest of these rules work. I think he could have added just a few more words, and if people you know wanted to dig into it, provide a link to dig into it deeper somewhere else, but not mentioning it at all and just making blanket statements like that fifty nine and a half comment is 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 uh, you know just right. missing a He's, lot of the story. They have live links throughout this for clicking to find a financial advisor near you, of course, because they're going to pay people to get pay advisors charge advisors rather. Uh, to get your contact info. That's their whole business model. They could have easily put links to the word, put qualified withdrawals at tax-free and put a link to what a qualified withdrawal is. And I'm sure they have a description somewhere. There's a billion-dollar revenue company where it could easily go to a link that would explain what a qualified withdrawal is. They had an opportunity to keep this at 500 words or less or whatever he's trying to get and use links to really delve deeper, but they don't. So it's causing a lot of, of to me, I, just wrong information going out there. Okay, the big downside to a Roth IRA over life insurance policy is your beneficiaries will have to pay a state tax on inheriting your IRA. He's pointing that, that out as a differentiator? That's crazy. Yes, because he's implying life insurance will not have estate taxes. And he's implying your beneficiaries will pay estate taxes on your Roth. Let me read this again. Mm -hmm. The big downside to a Roth IRA over a life insurance policy is that your beneficiaries will have to pay estate tax on inheriting the IRA. Yeah, that's wrong statement. That's wrong. That is just wrong. That implies that the life insurance policy will never be subject to estate tax, and it always is subject to the estate tax calculation, just like a Roth IRA is always subject to the estate tax calculation. But he makes it sound like the Roth by default is never subject to estate taxes. No, is always subject to estate Is always subject to estate taxes, excuse me. And that's just wrong. Everybody gets a lifetime exemption. 12 plus million now, 13 million. I don't even know what it is because I Google it. Okay, 13 something, folks. Let's call it 13 million current federal lifetime exemption before your beneficiaries have to pay estate taxes. Now, that'll change in 2026 and and future. Well, I'm sorry, it's 1292, so it's not quite 13. 12.92 million. Okay, we'll call it 12.9 million. 12.9 million, whatever the case is. He makes it sound that the Roth IRA, because he puts it, your beneficiaries will have to pay a state tax on inheriting an IRA. Not only that, the other thing that is wrong, folks, is your beneficiaries don't pay diddly squat right. in estate taxes. Right. The estate does. Who pays the estate? The estate does. Yep. An inheritance tax, we talked about this before, your beneficiaries pay, not the estate. He made it sound that if you leave your Roth IRA to someone, they will have to pay taxes called an estate tax 
on it. And that is just flat out wrong. Any estate taxes that are owed are never taken from the beneficiary. Now, some will argue if the estate tax didn't have to be paid by the estate before distributing assets out, maybe beneficiaries would have got more. Ergo, they kind of paid the estate tax. I'll concede that. But that's not how he wrote it. He made it sound, even today, with a 12.9 million exemption per individual, and few people listening to this on an individual level have more than $12.9 million in their name. So you will not be subject to federal estate tax. You might be subject to state estate tax if you live in one of those states. I just don't like the way that was worded, Chris. Okay, he continues. You also won't have the protection of a life insurance policy in place when you die. Duh, no kidding. You have a Roth IRA, not a life insurance policy. You want a life insurance policy, you go out and buy it. I don't understand that sentence at all. Another downside to Roth IRAs to consider is the contribution limits. Then he gets into those limits. I I would say, yeah, that's a downside, but that's not a downside of the accounts themselves. It's a downside of Congress limiting how much they want you to put in. Do you agree on that? Yeah, it's the reality. There are limits there, and you could buy, you know, very large life insurance policies if you can qualify for that level of of insurance. If you have an insurable interest large enough, you could be putting massive amounts into a life insurance policy well beyond the Roth contribution limits. But they're, again, apples and oranges. Those are two very different things. So he continues with the last couple paragraphs. Deciding where to invest your money depends on where in life you are. A Roth IRA benefits those who are planning their retirement now especially younger workers, and plan to live off of those funds in retirement. They may not expect to leave a lot of money in their IRA when they die. Also, a Roth IRA may be attractive when there is concern about taxes on your retirement withdrawals. I could have a lot of issues with that paragraph alone, but I'm trying to wrap this up. I don't like the way he he worded that. And Roths, as you know, if you're a longtime listener to these podcasts, can benefit older retirees as well by using selective Roth conversions, especially during your tax planning window. He doesn't get into any of that in this article. Again, trying to keep it in an effort to keep it too brief. He's made it too dumb. He really has. He's made this too dumb. He continues, life insurance can become more appealing as you get older and closer to death. Chris, can you buy life insurance when you're really close to death? Well, if you can, it's going to be insanely expensive <laughs> because you you know the insurance company no, can't pull the risk. You're not going to be able to get it when you're close to death. But and, and the thing is, once you're close to death, um, most people, not everyone, most people lack the need for life insurance, the traditional needs for it. Those are younger people that he's talking about only considering a Roth. These are such different things. Most young people uh, should be looking at both of these things as potential tools in their overall financial lives, uh, not not an either or. It's an apple to orange, and right. I hate that he's comparing that. It's like comparing a moped to a Tesla. I have no idea why I chose those two things. They have nothing to do with each other. I don't even know if you can buy a moped anymore. Those are from the 80s. But he's essentially comparing a moped and a Tesla. They're just 
they yes, they can get you from point A to point B, but they're two totally different things. But he gets even deeper into the mud here. Life insurance can become more appealing as you get closer to death. Folks, you can't buy life insurance when you're closer to death. I'm living proof of that, no pun intended. Having the assurance that your beneficiaries will inherit a policy makes the money you spent on it worthwhile. No. Well, yes. Yes and no. You bought life insurance because you had a risk. Having the the assurance that the insurance will provide protection for that risk, yes, I agree with him. That can make the premiums worthwhile. That's why I said earlier in his article, he just broad-based said it's too expensive. And I said if you're questioning a price, you're questioning value. And maybe what he perceives as too expensive would be worth it for someone who has the risk and they're trying to protect themselves from it. So just keep these concepts in mind and don't use these generalizations. Okay. He continues. But, but, but where did I leave off? Can we please get closer to death? Okay. On top of that, he, you might want to sit down for this one. On top of that, the inheritance of the life insurance policy is free of estate tax. That is just flat out asinine wrong. Mm-hmm. Let's pause there for station identification. No. Yeah, there's... Let's, let's pause here. There's, there's way... God, I, I know where to begin with this, but your life insurance policy, folks, the death benefit, even though you didn't have it while you were alive, even if you have one of these IUL policies, let's just say you have an IUL policy with a $300,000 million-dollar death benefit um, and $300,000 of cash value and you die, you might think, well, the 300000 in cash value, that was an asset I had access to during my life. That should be in my estate. I understand that. But the million-dollar death benefit, gee, that shouldn't be in my estate because I never had access to that. That is not how life insurance works from an estate taxation The value of your life insurance is included in your estate. It ties in to his erroneous statement. I don't really think this author knew what the hell he was talking about. He said your Roth will be subject to estate taxes or your beneficiaries who inherit your Roth will have to pay estate taxes. That's wrong. And he's saying here, your life insurance policy will not be subject to estate taxes. That's wrong. I don't think this guy really understands estate taxes and how it works. Now, if your life insurance policy is owned in an islet, it will not be in your estate. Do you know why? It's not your life insurance policy. And even though I said, if your life insurance policy, I was sitting here laughing, no one can see me. It's not your life insurance policy with an eyelet. The trust, the irrevocable life insurance trust owns the life insurance on your life. It's not yours. It's the trusts. And that's why it's not in your estate because it's not yours. But he didn't get into that, Chris. He said, your life insurance policy 
will not be subject to estate taxes, and that is just wrong. Yeah, and he also describes it as you, your kids inherit your life insurance policy. That is not how it works. They're not getting the policy. They're getting the death benefit. The policy is yours. You don't hand off the policy via, you know, here, you own this now, and it'll insure someone else's life at this point. It's, it's kind of Good point. bad yes. wording, very, very bad wording there. Very bad word, because he does. He says, the inheritance of the policy is free of estate tax. You're right. The death benefit, you don't get the policy. Very good on that one, Chris. Okay, given the numerous variations of and different types of life insurance, this approach offers many ways to pay for retirement. Uh, for example, a life insurance retirement plan is a permanent life insurance policy that you overfund. Why is he getting into this at the end of the article? I have no idea. Um, that you overfund. That you overfund over the lifetime of the policy. This builds cash value and what is known as the plan's cash account. You can access this money by taking out loans against the account balance. Earlier, he said. He doesn't recommend that. Now he's saying, have this and borrow from it. This is, this is just a crap-ass article. Of course, one option is to put some of your money in a Roth, and also another option is to buy life insurance. This way, you have some tax-free money for your family on your death, and you have money to live on while you are alive. When comparing a Roth IRA and life insurance, it's easy to see that both are beneficial to have. Note that there are a large variety of life insurance products. What is right for you depends on where in life you are. Roth IRAs are better for retirement income, but life insurance can offer other benefits, particularly when leaving an estate to your heirs. And then he gets into, click here for uh, more information and to hire a financial advisor. Anyways, maybe I'm nitpicking. But that was just, in my opinion, a very poorly written article. And I just wanted to vent. So this was my vent show. Well, I think it's as much as anything, it just allows us to kind of clarify a few things for people who might read articles like this and point out there's a lot of articles on the Internet that are this poorly done. You have to be really careful. Now, people listen to this uh, podcast, not that we never make mistakes, but you're obviously more savvy. You're looking at, you probably look at multiple sources. You've been researching this for a long time. You've educated yourselves. You're not going to fall victim to this, but I think it's our obligation to watch out kind of for others and, uh, you know, be warning people, Hey, you know, make sure you understand what it is and, and don't trust just one source, uh, all these kinds of things. And, um, uh, trying to prevent people from making mistakes that they were led into, by either nefarious agents out there, and I'm saying agent in the broadest sense, not necessarily insurance agent, but but people out there selling things, selling an idea, selling a product uh, out there, and, and they're taking advantage of people not fully understanding, and they're being misleading in a lot of cases. Um, you got to protect, protect them from that, and then protect them from bad education, right? Just being people that this they weren't overtly selling anything in this article. They were trying to get you to click on the link to to hire you know one of their their uh, advisors that pays in their, their system, but uh, they weren't trying to sell you a product directly out of this. But I could see people making just really bad choices, really bad decisions based on bad information like this if they didn't get it offset by someone pointing out how bad it is or uh, you know other articles. So 
Always encourage your family and friends to be looking at multiple places, uh, you know, a trusted advisor and verify, you know, trust and verify, I guess. So even if you find a source that you trust, don't, you know, don't assume they'll never make a mistake. You know, that's true of us as well. We often, you know, many times we'll make a, a mistake. It's misstate something or, I mean, last, last show, um, we learned something new. We, that, that, uh, if you had asked me if you could, you know, avoid the 10% penalty on an IRA withdrawal to help your child or grandchild buy a first time home. If you forced me to answer without looking it up, I would have said, no, I've never heard of that. Um, for whatever reason that had gone, uh, you know, I didn't pick that up over the years. And I've been did I. This, so, so. No, you're right. so yeah, there, I mean, the, you know, not, nobody has everything, uh, and perfect, but I, um, I think what this highlights that I'd like our listeners to know. And if there's anyone from Smart Asset listening, I, I have nothing against your business model. And if you're an advisor who uses them, I have nothing against. It. I really don't. I, it, it works for some people. It doesn't work for me. But if you're a smart asset person, if you're one of the the many authors who write for Smart Asset, and you're listening to this. I think this article could have been much better if you guys just used hyperlinks. I get it. You need to keep within a certain amount of words. I'm sure Yahoo Finance gave you a very strict rule. Hey, we want this article, tie it in, uh, make it no more than X number of words. But by benefiting, you, you have hyperlinks throughout the article on getting people to give you their information so you can get leads for financial advisors. Why don't you use as many hyperlinks to add more depth? And for those of you who listen to the podcast, maybe not necessarily on this show, but definitely on the nudity series we recently did or, or the Q&A show from last week where we only answered three questions because we dived very deep, deep into the answers. Now you know why I go down rabbit holes. I would be appalled if my podcast gave such generic, high-level, incomplete, not fully explained advice. Now you get why I like to go deep in. You can't just speak in these generalized terms and you can't just flat out say things that just aren't right. Maybe he was trying to say that yes, a Roth might be subject to uh, estate taxes, but he wrote it that it will be subject to estate taxes. And he made it sound like a life insurance policy is never subject to estate taxes. It always is subject to estate taxes. It doesn't mean you're going to pay them because of the way the estate tax works and with the large exemption amount, but it will be subject to the estate tax calculation. Both of them will. Only if the life insurance is owned by an islet will it not be included in your estate, but then it's no longer your life insurance policy to begin with. The islet owns it. But he didn't specify all that. A hyperlink, Chris, throughout this, adding more clarity, what a qualified withdrawal is, what an irrevocable life insurance trust is. Yeah. And I think it, you know, avoiding absolutes, you know, always, will, never, and then providing those links to more information who want a deeper dive would have been a lot more work than this article, but um, would have been, it would have been a better article. Way better article. Yeah, way better article. So, But now those of you who think Chris and I go too deep, now you know why. We'll always go down rabbit holes on this podcast. You don't listen to this podcast if you want fluffy little 30-minute chats like this article was, or if you want to master the English language. One of those two reasons you don't <laughs> listen to this article, is this podcast. 
Okay. Okay. Well, well that brings done. us. Yep, brings us to the end here. So we want to thank everybody for listening. It uh, will. Have a new EDU show for you next week. I don't know the topic yet, unless you want to reveal it at this moment, Jim. We may not have a no idea. Okay, so we'll no all idea. be surprised next week when it when it comes up. So uh, thanks everybody, and we'll be back next week with a brand new show. You have listened to Jim on the radio, read his quotes in the media, and enjoyed his banter on iTunes. But even now, you may wonder what sets Jim Salmier and Associates apart from other financial planning companies. The answer is quite simple. Jim's diverse team of professionals specializes in retirement planning. They form a lifelong relationship with you and measure their success not through product sales, but through the security and prosperity you may achieve in your retirement. Jim's entire team shares his unwavering commitment to placing their clients' best interests first while offering their services at fair prices with full disclosures. The professionals at Jim Saulnier & Associates are available to assist you with your retirement planning needs. Visit jimhelps.com to schedule your complimentary coffee and a second opinion meeting. That's jim, H-E-L-P-S, dot com. Or call 970-530-0556. The Retirement and IRA Show represents the words and views of the show hosts exclusively and should not be construed as investment, legal, or tax advice. All information is believed to be from reliable sources. However, we make no representation as to its completeness or accuracy. All economic and performance information is historical in nature and is not indicative of any future results. Any indices mentioned on the show are unmanaged and cannot be invested indirectly. Diversification and asset allocation strategies do not assure profit or protect against loss. Never make any investment or financial decisions based on information offered on this show without first consulting your financial, legal, or tax advisor. Financial planning services offered through Jim Solnier & Associates, LLC, a registered investment advisor. 